Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Joining me today, longtime friend, first time caller. That's a weird thing to say. Longtime <laughs> friend, uh, Miss Emery Adeline. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the thing. This is this is Phyllis the dog. She's the best. Off mic co-host. We we talk about her every week. So uh, first impressions of the the wiener dog. She's literally perfect, and she has way better hair than I do. <laughs> So. I strive to have hair as nice and glossy as hers someday. No, literally, it's beautiful. She's <laughs> actually perfect. <laughs> a nice, a nice auburn with waves of black. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, thank so you for sweet. joining me today. Thanks for coming over to my house. Yeah. So, as we were talking about right before we started recording, we always start every episode the same way by asking our guest how we met. How so we met. Would you regale the tale of how we met? Because yes. I don't remember. Okay, so we met back in, it was probably 2020. It was probably okay. like the end of 2020. My roommate at the time was Becca Tremel. Shout out Becca Tremel. Shout out Becca Tremel. Still one of my best friends <laughs> and we're in a little duo together. I love her. Um, and we were living together and like so many of us were at the time, she was on hinge <laughs> and you guys <laughs> matched and then with me, he caught, yeah. caught on a dating app. Yeah. Aaron <laughs> caught on a dating app. It's okay. We're all on them, but <laughs> you guys matched. And I think that she, she like was like, do you know this guy, Aaron? And I was like, I don't think so. And she was like, he runs tour stop. Have you ever played that? And I was like, no. That's cool, though. And then Becca started, like, playing rounds again. Like, it, re like, reconnected your guys' friendship. And then I started coming to them. And then I started playing them. And then that's how we became friends. So do you remember where you played your first tour stop then? Was it Belcourt? It was probably at Alley Taps. Alley Taps. One of those, but like, COVID 2020, like, late night shows. Yeah. The quote, quote, were closed shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, like, really tight. Like, didn't do anything. You didn't go out. I didn't go out and was waiting. And then I ended up getting COVID at the end of 2020. So once I had it, I felt like a <gasps> you little... You got it at Tour Stop on I the New did. Year's Eve 2020 show. I did. I, it was so bad. I, I and that was literally the first time I'd gone out for the entire year. Because New Year's Eve is my favorite night of the year. I, it's my favorite holiday. And I was like, I'm not sitting inside I had like just gone through a breakup <laughs> and I was like I just can't handle like doing New Year's Eve alone at home I can't do it so I was like and then you if I play a writer's it. round it's okay and I chanced it the one time I've ever I ever chanced it and I <laughs> immediately got COVID so I know <laughs> a bunch of people that got COVID last night but it's I don't want to say funny but it's funny because uh I I had already had it at that point I got it like like I got COVID 1.0 mm -hmm. like I had it in June of 2020 like right after the shutdown first ended kind of ended so i still had what i thought were antibodies but i remember that show because so many people got it that night and it was stupid crowded yeah r.i.p but uh i made out with this girl and then she told me that she got covid and i was like well you didn't get it for me mm -hmm. did you make out with anyone else that night she goes well yeah i was like gross do, now do I have COVID? You know what's and actually? It was just this whole like, it, that's a perfect description of what those shows at that bar used to be. Just icky. Aaron, do you know what's so funny about that is I kissed two people on New Year's Eve. Too. Did you too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god. 
that was so me yeah but neither of them got covid so they were fine <laughs> did you get your midnight kiss yeah i can't remember the last time i had a midnight kiss it's been a minute i always Actually, get a midnight it was, kiss it was midnight going into 2020 because it was while i was still dating uh, a girl named <laughs> broke up with me a couple of weeks later but i remember taking an edible gummy on new year's eve night before 2020 started and we were hanging out at, I think it was Allie Dunn's house back in the day. Mm-hmm. And at some point in the night, I slammed my index finger of my right hand in a car door. And it just turned black and blue, just all the way down. Ooh. And I i don't want to say blacked out from the pain, but there was a lot of things contributing to Aaron blacking out that <laughs> night. And woke up the next day on her couch with a... a what was then an empty plastic bag presumably had been full of ice because my shirt was wet oh but she's like how's your finger doing and it's like what what happened she goes <laughs> yeah i invited you to my house and you got excited and slammed the car door so fast you slammed your finger in it <laughs> like yep and that sounds like aaron oh so we God. all had a great couple of uh, <laughs> that's great so funny couple of new year's eves <laughs> i think I think that my actual New Year's kiss that night was Becca. Really? To, to, yeah, to bring Becca back because she was my New Year's kiss on 2019 into 2022 because that's when we were working on cruise ships, playing right. music. Right, I was going to ask about and that. And so she's, yeah, she's often my New Year's kiss at this point. But, you know, you just, you got you to gotta be a little flirty on New Year's Eve. It's <laughs> what the night calls for. <laughs> so I think me and you have talked about it before, but... What's your take on dating in Nashville? Because I have, I have mixed emotions. Um, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. <laughs> it's not fun. I don't know. It's like, I have just, I, I'm like, let me like get all my thoughts together. But dating in Nashville is really tough. I lived in Denver for a year and a half and I actually thought dating in Denver was worse, mm-hmm. which I didn't think was possible for it to be worse than Nashville, but it, it was, um, that was really hard. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I, I feel like dating right now just in general is so hard because with dating apps and everyone thinks they can do just a little bit better. Everyone thinks they can do just a little bit better. Like I've had people say like, I think you're amazing. I think you're so beautiful. Like I love spending time with you. I have the best time, but I just like don't think I'm ready for a relationship and I want to be able to date other people. And I'm like literally like what is that? Like What's the point of yeah. going on a date without the intention of like dating? Yeah, I mean I I get like trying to meet people and if like I I don't know. I I get both of it cuz I have been in both places. Like I've been in the place where I'm healing and I'm not really looking for anything serious and I just want to like meet people and have fun and like keep it really light and casual and I think that's great, but I think when you do that you just need to be like so communicative mm-hmm. and I think that's the problem a lot of people have with casual relationships is like if you're doing casual you have to talk way more right. about like where you are and how everybody's doing and having emotional check-ins because it's way easier for people to get their feelings hurt versus like super easy to have your feelings hurt yeah like if you're dating somebody with the intent to be in a relationship you don't have to talk about where you are because it's like we're just kind of getting to know each other and then eventually like something's gonna happen or eventually we're gonna get to the point where it's not gonna happen and I feel like at the end of the day that's all dating is is you just 
keep hanging out until you realize there's a reason that you shouldn't hang out anymore. And it's like, sometimes the reason is dying after 50 years of being in love together. Right. And something I've noticed also is a lot of people that are just totally intimidated by the people who do want to have a serious relationship. Yeah. And they get scared. They're like, oh shit, that guy actually, he's like, this is what I want. Yeah. And they're like, well, I don't know what I want. And that sucks because then you, however long it takes to get to that point, Mm -hmm. someone invariably is going to be like, well, shit, I just wasted X number of dates or yeah. weeks talking to you only to realize now that you don't like want to do this. Yeah. It, it's a weird dynamic in Nashville because there's so many of us doing what you and I are doing, trying mm-hmm. to create careers out of creative like things that we do with your music and mm-hmm. our shows. But there are people out there who are just, I call them normies. Mm-hmm. They're just people who go to work and they go home. Yeah. And I, I don't, know that I want to date a musician but I think it would be weird if I was dating somebody who wasn't Mm -hmm. because all I do is go to shows yeah it's the only thing I know Mm -hmm. and then what if somebody's like we should go apple picking you can go apple picking Aaron it's fun it's cute (laughs) go apple picking oh my god are we we flirting no uh, (laughs) (laughs) did you just schedule our first date no Aaron Um, no, I, I mean, I think it's like dating normies is hard too, because my schedule does not align. Like right. my off days during the week are Mondays and Tuesdays because mm-hmm. I'm playing shows and I'm working on my music and I work in a restaurant so I can pay my rent. And like, I just, I, yeah, trying to schedule dates in there too is it's like so hard. so hard. I'm like, how do people have time to go on dates with multiple people in a week? Like, I'm lucky if I get to go on, like, if I have one free night a week to go on a date i'm like what is going on like how do i have time to do this right now like <laughs> what have i you know? not done this week that is giving time for me to have right extra and I'm like, time to do this should i actually just be like hanging out with my friends or like going to a tour stop show or something <laughs> instead and i'm like no i guess i'll let this guy buy me dinner i don't know you know it's just also like, just hard scheduling things with people in general because like with what we do we're scheduling stuff months in advance yeah so you could meet someone you really like and they only have december the 13th available yeah and then you look forward you're like oh that's four months in advance i can do that right and then you realize fuck i scheduled a tour stop show that night yeah stuff like that comes up all the time where right. i'm like i really like you and i want to hang out with you but i have shows the next five days mm-hmm. and i can't not work i know but then on the flip side you know dating musicians it's yep. not my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a whole EP about how much I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I've ever actually dated a musician. Come come to think of it, because everybody that I've ever dated has been outside of the bubble. And I have a really strict rule now that I don't date anybody that plays our shows. Mm-hmm. You know, don't shit where you eat. Yeah. But it's hard meeting people outside of that because, like I said, this is literally the only thing I do. Mm-hmm. I don't go to anything else. On my days yeah. off, I sit with my dog and watch the TV. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to a, I don't want to go out. Like I got a text last night. It's Monday. Today we're recording. I got a text last night, Sunday at 1045 PM. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, we're meeting up midtown at Red Door. You want to go hang out? And I was like, no, mm-hmm. I've had my pajamas on for like three hours. Yeah. I'm old now. Yeah. I don't want to go to Red Door Saloon at 11 PM on a Sunday 
and do a pipe bomb mm-hmm. or tequila shots. But, like the person that you are going to end up with probably doesn't want to do that either. So that's right. not even the place to meet them. You know, right. I think about that. I'm like, where I don't really want to meet somebody at a bar at like two o'clock on a Tuesday, two in the morning at a, on a Tuesday. Mm-mm. Like I want to meet somebody who's like in a regular, normal place, wants to do the things that I want to do, which is very occasionally be at a bar at 2 a.m. on a Tuesday, but not every Tuesday, not, you know, every Tuesday. here and there. And like who wants to go to the flea market on Saturday and go for little walks around the neighborhood and like still go to shows and be fun and do stuff and go on trips and go travel and somebody who knows how to ski because that's really important to me too. And like it's just yeah, it's it's like I don't know. It feels Have you ever gone skydiving? I actually have. So I was thinking about it like it would take a really special person to meet but to do some kind of like super impulsive date like that to be like I really like you. We just met. Do you want to go skydiving tomorrow? That would be cool. I think that'd be a crazy cool like first date story because so many first dates now are just like, yes, we met up at Red Door on Thursday night at eight o'clock mm-hmm. and we're both super uncomfortable. And I hate stories like that. Yeah. Or we went out to dinner in a movie. <laughs> Boring. Yeah. Go do something crazy. Like skydiving. Yeah. This is me telling the world that I want to go skydiving. I know. Go skydiving. It's really fun. <laughs> I went skydiving when I was working on the cruise ship in Mexico. Really? And That's cool. It was really, really, really fun. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. You and Becca Tremel worked on a cruise ship with which which cruise line? Uh, Carnival Cruise Line. Carnival. I've been yep. on a Carnival cruise before. Good old Carnival. So um, what was, let's, let's start from the beginning because I know a lot of people have probably been on cruises and see cruise ship performers and don't know how that works. So mm-hmm. walk us through like what it was like trying to get the gig, getting the gig and then having it and living on a cruise ship. Totally. So this, this harkens all the way back to my very first days in Nashville, actually. So <laughs> at uh, Belmont University. So we found this connection through our friend Sammy Potts. So shout out Sammy Potts. Shout out Sammy Potts, the best drummer in Nashville. Flower Potts. Um, and she went to Belmont too. And she had this little band at Belmont. Um, I, I can't think of the name. But it was they had a little band, put a YouTube video up. They got scouted to work on cruise ships. That's cool. And then through that, they worked on cruise ships right out of college. The guy who recruited them moved over from that cruise line that they were on to Carnival, reached out to Sammy and was like, do you know anybody in a country duo who would want to go work on ships? This was in early 2019. So she hit Becca up and was like, hey, you and your boyfriend should make a little duo and go work on cruise ships. It'd be so fun. And at the time, Becca like was dating this guy that she didn't want to do that with. And so she called me and goes, Hey, (laughs) do you want to go work on a cruise ship? And I was like, honestly, yeah, sure. Thinking (laughs) that there was no chance it was actually going to come to fruition because I'm like, that's a wild thing. But it sounds kind of fun. I'm very impulsive. (laughs) I'm like very much driven. I, I like go with my gut so hard that it's just like when somebody asks me a question, I'm like, yeah, I'd do that. Or, no, I won't, but I don't really think about it too hard. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm very, very uh, spontaneous, perhaps. But um, So what were gigs like on a cruise ship? Because I can imagine they're different than what you're comfortable with or used to in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I always say, like, working on the cruise ship, 
changed the level of performance that I'm able to give like literally night and day because gotcha. we in, were in what, playing. In what ways? We played for four hours every single day wow. for four months straight. So it's just like that level of like practice of performing, of interacting with crowds, of singing that much. It just was it like a lounge you. A, a lounge performance mm-hmm. okay yeah we had a couple different spots on the ship that we would play but typically we were kind of like in the casino bar we would sing in like the grand atrium of the mm-hmm. ship um we had another ship that had kind of more like a designated little stage area for us but it's it's just it literally is like honing your skills so much that I just am like such a better performer now I like access to new parts of my voice just from like practicing that much like before I went on the ship I was way more like in my falsetto and my head voice very airy all the time and now I can like belt better and like have just so much more access to my voice did did you ever struggle to sing that much like Mm because I I know like these people on Broadway are doing those four-hour cover gigs all the time and some of them blow their voices out. How did you protect that? Um, I'm going to be so real with you. I did not do a thing to protect it. Like I was in a party <laughs> like, mode. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I didn't do anything <laughs> to protect it. Um, I definitely should have. And my advice is to always do something to protect your voice and drink water and care about it. Because if I ever like if I blew my voice out, it, it would Nothing be the like worst thing in the world. 22 year old life on tequila and yeah. iced coffee. No, I was like, I think I was like 24, mm-hmm. 25. And I was just like drinking one dollar gin and sodas in the crew bar <laughs> till 3 a.m. every night and going to Mexico every day and, you know, looking at the stars. So and I've singing. heard that cruise ship performers aren't allowed to fraternize with cruise guests. Is that true? That is true. So what's is there a reason behind it? They don't want to spoil the magic. Um, no, it's not necessarily that it's kind of a, a little bit sinister, but there was um, that was actually encouraged on cruise ships for a while, like part of the guest experience, you know, to get to flirt with the staff, whatever. Um, and then there were some sexual assault allegations against some of the officers on one of the ships. So they changed that policy. So it's no longer allowed, which honestly, I think it's a better policy to not allow that just because like it to gets not murky. allow performers and guests to hang yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, it gets a little murky and it's like in Nashville, when tourists are in town, sometimes it's fun to flirt with them and indulge. But like you play a show and a guy won't leave you the hell alone. Yeah, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's annoying. So it's just like you just, yeah, I don't know. But there's a ton of staff on the ship, so it's not like there wasn't. Cruise ships are rowdy places. They're, and they have cruise ship prison, too. They do. And a <laughs> morgue. People die on ships all the time. Isn't that weird? What? I know. People die on cruise ships? Mm-hmm. Is it like people overeating and shit? No, it's like... Heart old, attack? Old people go on cruise ships, oh you know? God. And old people sometimes and you just, just die. And then... Oh, God, there's probably a morgue on them, too. There's literally <gasps> a morgue on cruise ships. There's a morgue on Can cruise ships. Can of worms everywhere. I oh, know. Lord. It's crazy. Scary. Yikers. Okay, so the last cruise I went on, they... I remember like two times I heard like the PA that announces over the entire cruise ship, just something, I forget, I think it was like morning star or something like some special code word. And then you see like a bunch of crew just like bolting down a hallway and you're like, hmm. something's wrong. Yeah. Is that like, we have a dead guest. 
It depends on what it is. Like, uh, I don't know. And honestly, since I was entertainment, I didn't know that much about all of the codes and stuff. Even though we were occasionally responsible for people's safety, which I think is an insane thing that the cruise ships do. But yeah, um, bonkers. Yeah, I'm like, you're going to let me and Becca Tremel. So you were only on the cruise for how long? Mm. We did one contract that was four months and then we did a filling contract for two weeks and then the pandemic hit. Did you so, did you like it? Would you do it again? I loved it and I'm so thankful that I did it. I think it was like the perfect thing to do at that time in my life. And I would definitely do a fill-in contract again. I don't think that I would do another like four-month contract. That's a it's very just, long time. Yeah, it's a long time to like not be on land at night. Yeah, to like, just get very comfortable in your teeny tiny stateroom. Yeah, it's which just I like, bet you shared with Becca. Yeah, and it's just like literally being on cruise ships. It's like imagine your freshman year of high or a freshman year of college dorm contained in the middle of the ocean where you don't have Wi Fi. <laughs> you can't leave. Yeah. Uh, it's okay, yeah, so, that doesn't sound great. It's so like it's not bad, but it's just like you're literally in an alternate version of reality. Like I forgot about the outside world because it's just like you're so enmeshed in your little bubble of people and the ship like, oh, should and I like, have to pay rent no i didn't have to pay yeah, rent. exactly like i didn't have to pay rent i didn't have to buy food i just was like oh i'm hungry should we go to the cafe and like get some food or like okay we're done with our set let's go to crew bar and like meet up with our friends who are all the playlists like the people who do the shows and like you know it's just like there's literally nothing else besides ship life and then you like dock for four hours in mobile and we would like go to target and like go to the coffee shop and i'd call my mom and then you'd get back on the ship and then you'd (laughs) go to mexico and then you'd get back on the ship like after four hours being in mexico from across the little ocean way from cozumel and you're like Ah, oh, look at all these happy people on vacation and yeah. I'm working. I, I mean, honestly, I didn't feel like I was working. I Did felt like I was on vacation. Off? We got like one day off a week where we didn't have to sing, but it's like you're still on the ship. You're still. So like yeah, if you're your like, day it's off It's not a felt, day off where I get to hang out at a resort in Mexico and they pick me up tomorrow. No, literally. Like if your day off fell on like a sea day, then like it was the worst. Because wow. sea days, you're just at the ocean the whole day. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. Go go watch your coworkers perform. Yeah, go, no, literally, we'd be like, I guess should we go that you see? Play at? Yeah, literally, <laughs> it's just like okay, so yeah, it's not, it's definitely not for the faint of heart, but it is like it's so fun. Like I was getting paid to travel and play music, That's which are like sweet. my two favorite things. And C days were like the worst days ever, and I hated them. But then the days that I got to wake up and go to Mexico and sit on the beach for four hours and then go play music for four hours and then go to bed. That's not a were bad like, life. It's yeah. So I think it's, you're describing a dream I currently have. Yeah, it's like really, really high highs, really low lows on those sea days. But it's like I I would recommend it to anybody if you think you can handle it. Well, gosh, I, I have a bajillion questions, but let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll come right back with Emery Adeline on the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. <laughs> And we're 
we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast, sitting in my living room. Phyllis the dog and Miss Emery Adeline joining us here today. Hello. Thank you for again coming and taking a photo of me with Phyllis. She's so beautiful. During the break, she uh, was sitting in my lap and I plopped her up and she had her head right underneath my chin mm-hmm. with her, her whole belly exposed and we had to uh, take a, a nice... A nice memento moment. She was literally smiling. Yes, she was. Yeah, Yeah. I know some people say dogs can't smile, and that's not true. She can smile. Like, you can literally see it, like, their whole cheeks pull back, and their tongues hang out, and their eyes are just... You can smile with your eyes. Yeah. Did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Um, I have seen episodes, but I've never watched, like, the whole thing. Okay, so there's an episode where one of the characters, like, there's a whole plot line about... Like, they don't know if this guy is a good guy or a bad guy because he smiles with his mouth, but not his eyes. <laughs> and it was like, that's true. Because if you see somebody who's like, oh, great for an audio podcast, by the way, yeah. just like smiling with only their mouth, but their yeah. eyes are dead. Just like it reminds me of the customer service face I used to make yeah. when I worked in uh, like it was this T-bar on 12 South. Because you can immediately go from saying, hey, thank you so much. Have a great day. Yeah. And then your eyes are filled with contempt. Yeah. And they think that it's it's genuine. And when in reality, you're actually saying, please leave. I want to go home. No, literally me. I, like, <laughs> I feel like working in the service industry is just acting. Like I say that every night at my restaurant job because I, I wait tables and I... Um, just you know you're just out there like yucking it up with the guests sitting in your section but i like you know i'm putting on a show i am literally acting it's a performance you have to pretend that you like these people who are making you be at work yeah which is a weird dynamic because you want their money I do. I want their money. I'm being nice to them so that they'll tip me more. Like I'm, li- li- I literally am. That's <laughs> what we're all doing. The oldest form of like earning money is like pretending you like someone for money. Yeah, and I mean, I, I actually do. I really do like the service industry. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason that's been my chosen path for making money. Like, I really like interacting with people, and I love like helping. I I don't know. I mean, I work at like kind of a nice restaurant and I love being able to like make somebody's anniversary better or like make a birthday better. Like these are like kind of special moments in people's life that you get to kind of like have a little vignette to and like look in the window and be like. Have you ever served someone's first date? I definitely have served first dates. I mean, they don't like tell you when it's a first date, but you can tell. And you're like, like great. Now your first date has a third person. Yeah. I'm like, are you guys having fun? Like when the guy goes to the bathroom, I'm like signaling to the guy. I don't actually do this. But that would be so funny. Like you good girl. Like, how's it going? Like I have been. So I went on a first date once. It was from, I think it was Bumble when I first moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And this girl had told me she canceled another Bumble date to go out with me. And I was like, mm, red flag, but also thank you. I mean, is it a and red flag? I was like, where do you want to go? And she requested specifically the Thompson Lane Applebee's. Weird choice. Weird <laughs> choice. Which That's is like so South funny. Nashville Applebee's. Yeah. And we, we went there. And she prefaced it by saying she hadn't had a drink in six months. And I was like, that's totally fine. You don't have to have a drink. She goes, no, I'm drinking tonight, though. And I was like, oh, "Oh, no. 
Oh. And she proceeded to have four Long Island iced teas. Oh, my God. Because, you know, Applebee's does two for one drinks. Oh, my God. And they should not do that on the Long Islands. <laughs> she got so drunk. Oh, my God. It was, we were there for less than an hour, a combined total of less than an hour. And she drank four Long Island iced teas. And at one point she got so drunk, she asked our gay waiter for a threesome. Oh, my. And then she went and used the restroom, and I apologized. And the waiter goes, bro, your girlfriend sucks. And I was like, this is actually a first date. And he just goes, <laughs> sucks. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry. Can you please cut her off? He goes, oh, yeah, 100%. So when she came back, they had taken her drink. She's like, what the fuck? I, did, I wasn't done with that. And they're like, yeah, they cut you off. Sorry. And that was when she threw a fit started screaming throwing punches in the air just raising hell in the thompson lane applebee's and then she storms out and i'm sitting there just like what, what the fuck is oh happening so i went and sat back down at the bar to try to finish my one beer and apologize for the commotion and then she tries to come back in and sit down at the bar alone and then the bartender, this wonderful, sassy woman, just goes, uh-uh. And just, she walked right back out. And I'm like, uh, dating in Nashville is going to be great. Oh, my gosh. So, never again. Yeah, that's crazy. Four Long Islands in one hour is insane One behavior. Long Island in an hour is too many. Yeah, I mean, Isn't that's... like five shots? Well, no, but it is, it is a heavy pour. It's a bunch of liquor. Yeah, so... Yikes. So, hard no. Hard no. So, let's... That. Uh, bring up something that's not booze or dating. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a songwriter type. I would love to know about your background in music. When did you start writing? When did you start singing? Yeah, I wrote my first song when I was eight years old. Dang. Okay. Um, flex. Yeah, flex or flip. a compulsion. Um, <laughs> either one. And I so I've, I've been obsessed with music like literally since I was a baby. I've always loved it. My parents are really into music. Um, when I was little, little, I would make my mom sing lullabies with me for That's like cool. two hours before I would wow. go to bed. Like lit, like I have, I'm obsessed. I've always been obsessed. I love to sing. Um, so they got me a guitar when I was six cause they were like, she needs something. Wow. And I didn't start taking lessons with it until I was eight, but I took my first guitar lesson, learned two chords and wrote my first song the, the same day. What was and the song called? It's so embarrassing. <laughs> it was called Vicky. Oh, yeah. And it just was like lots of rhymes with Vicky. But that's cute. It was. Yeah. I just was like songs rhyme and they're about a girl being in love. So that was what I wrote. <laughs> and <laughs> um, yeah. So but I, I pretty much since then, like playing guitar has always I, I love playing guitar but it has always just been like my outlet to be able to write songs mm -hmm. and sing because those are my you main know all true of the chords now i know at least five chords now <laughs> maybe even up to 10 wow. so yeah all of all 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 of those chords are wow yeah it's pretty you crazy. did it you made it emory it's pretty crazy so <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what what was it that made you want to go from just writing songs as a kid and have like singing lullabies with your family to actually wanting to go to belmont and pursue songwriting taylor swift <laughs> I, I won it um i won she, all of it yeah she like um 
no, literally seeing Taylor Swift's career happen is the reason that I figured out I could have a career. What year was that? Like, uh, was that a specific tour that you had seen her on? No, I heard her first single on country radio in 2006. I heard Tim McGraw. I remember this exact... Which one was that? Highway Don't Care? No, it was Tim McGraw. No, oh. Not the song that she did with Tim McGraw, oh, Highway oh, Don't Care. Oh, it was just the song Tim the McGraw. The song Tim McGraw. <laughs> I heard it on the radio, and it was like, the album had just come out. It was her first single, and I remember being like, Mom, can we go to Target so I can buy the CD? And just like seeing her, a teenager who was a few years older than me at the time, um, have this career, because I, I loved... I loved songwriting. I loved music. But to me, that was like an adult thing. You know, like I loved Stevie Nicks and I loved the Dixie Chicks, the right. Chicks now. And I loved uh, Sheryl Crow and like those and Alison Krauss. Like those were my inspirations when I was really young. And then seeing Taylor Swift, I was like, oh, like I could do this too. Like anyone could do this. So I like when I was, you know, in eighth grade, I was like, mom, let me drop out let me be homeschooled for high school and go to Nashville and start writing songs. And she was like, no, no. <laughs> you're going to go to high school. And I was like, okay, but I'm going to Nashville for college. So I did everything I could and got into the songwriting program at Belmont and moved to Nashville when I was 18. And it's just like music has is the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And I've tried really hard to want to do other things because being an artist is so difficult, but I really love I love it. I just love it. It's been what, like the great love of my life has been writing songs and singing and playing music. So Taylor Swift is the person who really brought you to Belmont. Another another I don't want to say another one, but <laughs> yeah, another girl in Nashville who was inspired by Taylor Swift to have a music oh, but career. I think the difference is you aren't doing the same music as Taylor Swift is. There's so many of these people who are like, I'm going to be the next Taylor Swift, mm -hmm. yada, yada. And you're like, well, you're not going to be the next Taylor Swift because she's still the biggest person she's ever. She's still Taylor Swift. But <laughs> you're doing different kinds of stuff. So you have what you have wonderfully branded as the Sad Girl Country Club. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the Sad Girl Country Club. Yes, the Sad Girl Country Club. So this all started because one day I was playing a show and a friend of mine brought a friend of theirs and we were all chatting and I call my music Sad Girl Country because that's what it is. And it's country music for people who identify as a sad girl. Um, and... I said to a friend, I was like, oh, well, welcome to the Sad Girl Country Club. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, oh. that is a great idea. <laughs> so I wrote it down and I was like, I'm going to make T-shirts and hats <laughs> that say Sad Girl Country Club. And so I did. It's really, really good merch. Thank you. I mean, I have my Sad Girl Country Club hat in my bedroom. Yeah. But great. I see folks wearing your stuff all the time. Yeah. And the first thing that popped into my head is it the sad girl country club or the sad girl country club mm -hmm. and I think that's the point right it is yeah I mean because <laughs> I think there's kind of this this label of sad girl country going around as a genre which is like the Casey Musgraves and the early Taylors and like the Kelsey Ballerini and certain like variants of pop that kind of fit in there a little bit and like you know, it's, it's all of us people who grew up on emo music yeah. now writing other kinds of music. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, totally. It's totally that. It's like the girls who loved Taylor Swift and the Dixie Chicks, but 
also were really into pop punk. And that is kind of me, even though there's no pop podcast, the sad girl country club podcast. That would be cool. Yeah. You could have everybody who's sad. Yeah, we so can you just have talk an about endless supply of, of songwriters. <laughs> <laughs> Every songwriter in Nashville gets to be on my podcast. But but yeah, so it's kind of I mean, it's both like I, I feel like I hope to we're turning it into an event and I'm hoping to have like showcase nights That's with cool. Sad Girl Country. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's broader than just country music. I want to like incorporate. It would be impeccably everyone. named if you ever opened a like a bar of your own, like yeah. the Emory Adeline bar, but it's the sad girl country club. That's yeah. Im- already impeccably branded. Yeah. No, I definitely want to open a bar. Like and I would love to sad, open a bar. Like I, I've made it like public before. I think it was last week at Cambria's tour stop, the tree music room. I was playing with some of my friends and somebody was like, Oh, what do you want to hear tonight? And over the microphone, I proclaimed no sad songs. <laughs> And I think that it would be funny if the Sad Girl Country Club, it was like no happy songs. No happy songs. No. On, only play the saddest, most depressing shit, the closest to you. Yeah, I think that would be great. I don't see the problem like, with that. It's like, we'll give you we'll give you feelings and a mimosa. Yeah. It's like, are you in the mood for a shot of whiskey? Are you in the mood for a fruity little drink? We have both. What's the signature? What would the signature drink be? Um, Gin and soda. It would probably be something <laughs> with gin. I can't drink whiskey. When I was in my early 20s, I drank whiskey like always. Like that Me was too. always my drink. And now I get just incredibly hungover when I drink drinking whiskey. Drinking brown liquor is a little bit heavier than drinking clear liquor. Yeah. Like gin and sodas. First of all, soda water is water. So yes. you're drinking water with every drink. So that's why it's the perfect drink. It's refreshing. It's crisp. It's not too sweet. No calories. Yeah. No calories. <laughs> Except um, for the... F- Tons that come in the liquor. Yeah, except for the liquor. Um, but yeah, probably, I don't know. I love I love bourbon cocktails, though. Probably like some kind of like bourbon-y, gingery. Have you always been yummy. into like making craft cocktails for yourself at home? Or do you just like going places that have them made and you like, that one sounds good? Well, I have worked in the service industry like literally since I was 19. So I am kind of a snob about okay. my cocktails sometimes. Like I love a good dive bar. I love a good dive bar. Um, and a dive experience, but I also know a good cocktail when I drink one and I'm a little snotty about that. But I think the best way to tell if a bar is good is if they can make an old fashioned, right? Cause okay. it's a really simple drink to make, but people make them so weird sometimes. So maybe that would be the signature as we just have like different variants of old fashions. I've never been picky about like alcohol before and I'm really not a picky food eater either mm-hmm. and I was as a kid I didn't yeah. I didn't like my foods touching each other I would I refused to eat casserole anything mm-hmm. but it, that all kind of went away when I got into college and I started eating dorm food mm-hmm. and I got food poisoning three times my freshman year of college oh my god terrible horrible disgusting dorm food and it's at some point in that one year I was just like you know what if it doesn't make me sick I'm gonna eat it Mm. And as a consequence of that, I was eating a lot of frozen burritos that I would put in the microwave because at least if it was overcooked, I knew it was cooked. Yeah, <laughs> that's really fair. <laughs> so you did your freshman and presumably every subsequent year at Belmont. Mm-hmm. And you graduated in what year? Uh, 2017. Okay, so long yeah. before the COVID mess. Yes. So that 
you did your four years at Belmont and then you did your cruise ship stint. Mm-hmm. Then what followed the cruise ship? What was the, the first thing you got back on dry land? What did you set out to do? Um, well, I don't know. It's kind of it, interesting because there there's, like, was a there's like a year in between all of that. There was like two years in between all of that, too, where I graduated from college. And then that's when I real I recorded my first EP that. What was um, that called? That was called Killin' Time. Okay. Um, and that came out in 2018. And then I just wrote my ass off for like a year. Um, I wrote so much. And then. Did you co-write? I co-wrote a ton, yeah. I, I love to co-write. Like, I like writing songs by myself, but I love co-writing. Gotcha. I think it's so fun. Um, and it's like, I, I know I'm a good songwriter on my own, but, like, when you're writing with somebody who's an even better songwriter than you, it's like the song is better. It elevates you. Yeah. Like, I love to be the worst person in a writing room. That's, like, my favorite place to be, is, like, writing with people who are just, like, insane writers and way better than me. Um because the song you end up with is the best. And I'm the artist usually, so I get to cut it, you know? So who are some of your current co-writers that you work with? Well, I actually haven't been co-writing as much because, okay. yeah. So that that was like in 2018 that, was that the was year that I was super writing. creativeness. Yeah, it's Creativity, just, creativeness. <laughs> I mean, you go through so many phases, right? So I, I had that phase and then I went on the cruise ship so I could make money to then record. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I got home from the cruise ship the pandemic happened, which derailed everything, you know? So at that time I was living in Nashville um, and I ended up quarantining in Wisconsin with my ex and, you know, we just didn't know what was going to happen with music. That was after you had moved away. It wasn't. No. So I was before you had moved back. Yeah. Gotcha. It was spoiler. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I hadn't even moving. Wasn't even a thought yet. So the pandemic happened, 2020 happened, and then in 2021, that is when I moved to Colorado, okay. back home, because I just, I love so many things about Nashville, but it is a hard city to live in, and anybody who's lived here for more than five years will tell you that, because the first two years, you think Nashville is the best place that's ever existed and ever will exist, and it's like a magical fairyland, and then you start seeing people. It is a very difficult yeah. town to live in. And yeah. it's dramatically different from when I moved here in 2017. Yeah. And I can only imagine how much more different it is from 2013 when you first moved here. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, you know, it's hard. It's an entertainment city. And, like, the entertainment industry looks really beautiful from the outside. And then you get two in it and you start seeing people in overdose. And- that was, like, that was right after I had put out my first album. Like, that yeah. was still when, like, you get a jewel case CD. Like, that was still how you do it. You get your jewel case CD and you just, you try to sell that eight bucks, ten bucks. You try to sell that. But that was also around the time when, because I remember when we had that first CD and then our drummer's dad was like, hey, have you guys heard of this this app that just came out last year called Spotify? And we're like, no. He's like, it's like iTunes, but... You don't have to buy the song. You just pay a fee every month and then people can just listen to it. And we're like, oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And we got it on Spotify, which back then felt like a big deal. Yeah. Spotify and iTunes. Mm -hmm. And God, I cannot imagine somebody printing 
a jewel case CD now and taking it to a show and trying to sell it. Do you have a CD player? I I actually do. And I actually do listen to CDs. You still use it? I know that it makes me so weird, but it's my car, my car is old and it doesn't have Bluetooth connectivity. Oh, and I just, gotcha. I got really tired of having to buy a new like, mm-hmm. uh, radio Bluetooth thingy that you stick in the like right. battery, whatever. And so I just started buying CDs. So I just like go to McKay's and buy CDs from my <laughs> car. I, I it kind of broke my heart because I had to tell a couple of my friends when they asked if I wanted their CD, I had to say no. This was like, I don't want to take your product that you could potentially sell to someone yeah. that I can't use. Yeah. Because for me to listen to a CD, I would have to plug in my Xbox, my old, old Xbox mm-hmm. that I also don't use. Yeah. With the RCA jacks and then put a CD into the Xbox and change whatever it is on the TV to make that work. Yeah. To listen to music that would take one second for me to turn on on Spotify. So I right. had this weird relationship between like hating how little Spotify pays people. Yeah. And also the convenience of not plugging in a CD player. Yeah. I, I almost think, I, I mean, I, I don't almost, I do think that it's more worth it to print vinyl than it is to print mm-hmm. CDs, even though it's so much more expensive to print vinyl. But it's like, I mean, people, you see it here. I yeah. have my turntable right under my TV, which I do use. Yeah. Like yeah. we've gone back 50 years. It, it is. It's like pe- more people have a record player than has a CD player. I think that so uh, that comes from what me and Brandon Ellis were talking about once is the we, we missed the tactile mm-hmm. holding of like, this is mine. Yeah. You don't get to have the ownership of like, oh, this is on my playlist on Spotify. But if I can hold that. Foo Fighters album there on my console mm-hmm. and then pull out the liner notes and see the special photos and like yeah. that's cool like it another cool. album that I bought was a Foo Fighters album and it was a first print when it first came out in 2011 and it actually had uh like six inches of the reel-to-reel tape that was recorded on analog they it cut it up and mm-hmm. put it into the vinyls. Like, That's so cool. It's super cool that you can still give little extra treats to your fa- treats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> treats to your fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you can't do that with, with Spotify. Yeah. Which is, I think, why physical mediums like this are coming back. Right. Well, I think, too, like, it's hard when you have access to everything you could ever want oh to listen Lord. to. To pick one thing to listen to. Like, on Spotify, I don't... I can't, like... Like with vinyl, I you have your stack of records and you buy your favorites and it's like, I love this album. I'm going to spend $20 on it because I want to listen to it. And then you can be like, okay, I want to listen to music. What do I want to listen to this morning? And you can flip through and be like, oh, you know, Rustin Kelly sounds perfect for this rainy Saturday morning. I'm going to throw that album on, you know. And then with Spotify, it's like, what do I want to listen to? I could literally listen to anything in the world. I can't think of anything. I'm just going to listen to the same liked songs yep. that I have. Cause I just need some noise on in the background. It's the same issue with all these streaming apps for TV and movies. Yeah. It's like, what do you want to watch on Friday night? Here's 40,000 movies. Yeah. It's and like the paralysis of choice is like actually so real. Like it's just like, yeah, no wonder people just rewatch the same show over and over and we over don't again. don't know what else there is. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to have to. And then there's so much bad shows too that it's like you don't want to so watch something that's like horrible. It's just And like, then it really does start to make you realize your some of your friends have bad taste. Yeah. Like, you should watch this show. 
it's about murderers, but if they're funny, you're mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah, I know. I honestly, I read way more than I watch TV these days. Do you really? Yeah, I'm I a big watched reader. the new Wes Anderson movie called Asteroid City. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet. I didn't like it. <gasps> I watched it and it was boring. Wow. It was so. I'm not super into like meta artsy, okay, stuff like that. But the whole time, it's it's a movie about making a movie. Okay. And it's just. It was difficult to watch. Do you like Wes Anderson? Have you seen his other movies? I do like Wes Anderson. Okay. So that's why I was really excited for this movie. Yeah. And a lot of the movie didn't have any score. So it's really unsettling to watch just quiet dialogue. Mm -hmm. It was like listening to a podcast, but having to watch it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's funny. But it was, it was not my favorite. Yeah. But. I, mean, I, I really pe- don't. I'm not a movie. I'm not a movie watcher. I wish I was like what. So you're not a movie watcher, television watcher then? A no, watcher? I will watch TV more often than I will watch movies. So what is your preferred way of maybe the wrong word is unplugging, but is it music putting on a record and just sitting? It's, and it's reading. I read all the time. What do you like to read? fantasy novels (laughs) oh tell me about what you're reading right now then well i just finished i'm taking a little break from books because i just finished an eight book huge series called throne of glass okay um so i like so many other people have discovered sarah j moss last year she's an author and so what is the premise of this book series it's, or is it is it serial or is it like one long story? It's one long story okay. and it's actually kind of hard to explain the premise because at the beginning you think it's something completely different than what it ends up being at the end. Okay. Because it starts off being like about this girl who's an assassin in this magical land that has like fairies and but in her land all the magic is gone and because of this evil king and so she's in a competition to become the evil king's champion assassin. That's and cool. it's really cool, but that's not the story. But that's all that you can really say about what the first book's about without like spoiling everything. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Have you been into reading and fantasy stuff like that since you were a kid? Yes, I definitely. That's have. one of the things that never grasped me as a child was reading. Yeah. I I think I'm too ADD to sit and stay focused because I really have to like remind myself if I'm reading like don't check your phone. It's okay to not check your phone. You don't need a snack right now. Just like. But if the book is good. Yes. Then you don't have those thoughts. You don't need that. Because I, my brain works like that as well. Like I have the hardest time focusing. Like if I'm not super into a book, I will not be able to read it. I just won't. And. You'll get, you want to try and then you'll get like. Yeah. Several chapters in and you're like, nah, I don't care. Like I went through a phase where I was like in college, I was like, I'm actually like a cool girl and I'm only going to read like classic novels like <laughs> On the Road by Jack Kerouac and like stuff like that. And a few of them I really liked. Like I loved Kurt Vonnegut, Cat's Cradle. That was my favorite book for a while. Jonathan Safran Foyer. But like some of these books I was trying to read, I was just like, Boring. I am so bored and I do not care about And that's about why you realize people. young adult fiction is so popular yeah because i care and it's fun to read Mm -hmm. and it's like it's i don't know it's yeah it's like reading doesn't have to be this like serious thing like reading can be so fun fun. and it can be silly stories and things that 
feel really important because it's fantasy, but it's literally you're reading about fairies, you know, and it's That's like one of the things that I think is why I really like like sci-fi kind of stuff Mm -hmm. is because it removes me from reality. Yeah. So it puts me in a different place and it kind of removes me from the scary bullshit that we have to go through, like the oppressing anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. of like the world. And, but yeah, it removes us from like the scary reality of what's happening in the world. Even if it's just for a few hours Mm -hmm. and then you like, as soon as you close the book, you turn off the TV, you're like, Oh, I was in it. Yeah, I was I was there. Exactly. That's that's really cool. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, no, I I love to read and I I'm what are some of your favorites? Anything by Sarah J. Moss. Okay, that's my favorites right now. Did Um, you read the Harry Potter stuff, too? I actually never read Harry Potter. I listened to all of the books on audiobook. Okay, gotcha. Because when I was little, we used to go on huge long road trips and my mom would buy the CDs of Harry Potter and we would listen to them on the trips because it got my That's brother cool. and I as kids to just like shut up and sit in the back and be like really into the story. Audiobooks is a really great way to consume novels if yeah. you're, or fiction or books of any kind if you don't like the actual act of sitting down and reading. Yeah. Or if you have a road trip. Right. Great way to get through a road trip. I I used to do that when I would drive back and forth from Nashville to my home in Missouri because mm-hmm. it's like a seven or eight hour drive. And that's a long drive to just sit in a car by yourself. Yeah. And it does make you feel better if you have someone reading to you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's like so nice to have a story. I don't know. I, I do a lot of long road trips and I, I now I kind of get excited for them because I'm like, wow, I get to save up all my podcasts and I get to save up my favorite music. I and do look forward to catching up on my podcast. Yeah, it's fun. It's like nice to sometimes just have I, I find driving really meditative too. like. It's for me, like what you were saying with the ADD brain, like I, do, I don't know if I have ADD. I have my suspicions that I do, but um, it helps me to be like looking at something and doing something mm-hmm. to listen. I cannot listen unless I'm doing something doing else. something else. Yeah. So I like like driving is the easiest way for me to be able to listen. Do you ever drive in silence? Like if you leave a gig, do you just drive home in the quiet? Occasionally I will, but I have to be coming from something that I'm like extremely overstimulated. Okay. Where I like need to just unwind. Maybe for that's a why I feel the need to drive home in silence from my shows so often because yeah. they're super stimulating. Talking to so many people, entertaining so many people, performing sometimes, but like yeah. then it's just all of a sudden just still. Yeah. And I do really crave the whole like just motionless, soundless thing of like the safety of my couch mm-hmm. and the safety of my couch sometimes starts in the parking garage at the Cambria hotel. And I'm like, let's just turn the radio off mm-hmm. honk honk around the corners. Yep. I see you Casey mm-hmm. and then just quiet. Yeah. I do look forward to the quiet, which is yeah. great because I'm deaf and I can make it quiet anywhere. <laughs> That's so true. That's nice. You can just turn it off. <laughs> turn it off. Well, let's also talk about the other music you've released since your first EP. Mm-hmm. So when did uh, your last series of singles come out? Because Mistress is a favorite of mine, but mm-hmm. I'm sure there's been more in between the EP and Mistress. So talk about that stuff. Yeah. So I recorded an EP in 2020. Um, at the end of the year, I recorded two EPs actually Okay. wrapped them up at the beginning of 2021. What were each of those called? They are not out yet. 
Okay. So <laughs> I need to release them. Um, but one is going to be called Diamonds and Rhinestones, okay. and one is going to be called I Don't Love You Anymore. Um, and they are going to be released. I don't. I don't know. I mean. I'm sure this is something that any other independent artists can relate to, but releasing music is literally the hardest part of this whole thing for me. Like I love writing songs. I love playing shows. I love recording. I hate releasing music more than anything. Like it is so, (laughs) so hard. And I have had just like some kind of block with it. So anytime I release a single, it is like, I'm so proud of myself for doing it because it's just like Is the hardest thing Is there some anxiety the about actually putting it out into the world? Yeah, it's scary. It's just like, and this project is like, to me, like there was a while where I was like, this is the best thing I've ever made and it's probably the best thing I ever will make. So if I release it, it has to go perfectly mm-hmm. and it has to be my big break into the music industry and everybody has to care. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm a failure. And so I, it just, it ended up being like, I just kept pushing off the release because I was like, that no, I don't have really time. a really good look into the life of like, what it's like to be an artist in Nashville. It is so hard. It's, so it's damning putting so much time and effort and emotion and money into something that sometimes doesn't get even a thousand streams. Yeah. And it's like, I, and you, you never know where to put your money. Like you never know, should I make a music video? Should I just put all of my money into Facebook ads for Instagram stories and just get the word out there and not play shows and not do anything else. And like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the best way to do it. But that's like the most confusing way to do it. Cause you feel like you're doing nothing. Right. And then you feel like you should be playing shows and you should be doing music videos and you should be doing all this stuff. But like playing shows in Nashville is really expensive. You know, if I play, it's really expensive. And that's one of the reasons why I, I feel bad sometimes asking my friends to play full band sets is because I know some of these venues, even if you get to sell tickets even if you sell them out, the best you can hope for is to break even. Yeah, playing a full band show usually runs me like four hundred. I have to pay four hundred dollars. Yeah, to and do that's that. a lot of money to lose. Yeah, for sometimes to realize, fuck, not even fifty of my friends wanted to come. No, not even five. You know, sometimes not even five of your friends yeah. want to come. It's Nashville. Like everybody gets invited to seven shows every single night. So mm-hmm. it's like. Getting people to come to shows here is so hard, even if they love your music, you know, that I have friends of mine that invite me to shows that I love their music. I'm such a fan and I just cannot get myself to go to a show that night, you know, and it's like I totally get it. But it yeah, it's just it's so hard to know, like where to put your energy and stuff. And that has been really hard for me with releasing music. But I'm finally doing it. So I'm releasing another single from this EP. So this will be the fourth single that I've released over the past like year or so, probably like year and a half. Um, and it's called two sides and it's going to be the last single I release. And then I am releasing my EP this fall. I'm doing it. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah. Who cares? So Two sides comes out on September 1st, correct? Yes. So that will be actually here. I believe next week from the date this is released. So cool. Is there a pre-save that will be available or is it just going to be out in the world? No, there's definitely going to be a pre-save. I will have that link in my bio, I'm sure. And um, yeah, but yeah, pre-save, two sides. Two sides. Two sides. And who who produced this? Um, Justin Klump and Josh Matheny. Cool. 
Mm-hmm. Did they do the instrumentation performing as well, or did you hire out session players? I had session players. Okay, yeah. Cool. So this this EP, this this collection of songs, I pulled like every possible connection I could, and really made like my dream EP with like amazing session players who've played on like all of the stuff on country radio that I love right now. And I got to record at sound Emporium studio and that's a legendary studio here. Yeah. So it was just, and we were in the big room. We weren't even in the small room and it was like the best day of my life probably. So it, it really sounds like exactly as I could have hoped. Recording in an actual studio like that does give you pardon my French, that big dick energy where you're just like, Oh, Oh, I'm doing it this isn't my friend's closet yeah no i like definitely had imposter syndrome the whole day i was like am i allowed to be here <laughs> like even though i'm literally paying i get the, the imposter space. syndrome all the time of yeah. like why me do i know what the heck i'm doing yeah no, no literally <laughs> i'm like i'm convinced that i'm just tricking everybody all the time yeah so <laughs> so the new ep have you set a release date for that or is that still kind of flexible right now it's pretty flexible right now i'm thinking october but okay. as soon as i have a date it will be announced that's exciting mm-hmm. i want to try and play a little show with that one so we'll see i know a guy who can help yeah <laughs> We'll talk. We'll talk here. <laughs> so uh, let's see. We've covered a bunch of stuff today. But another thing I was wondering, you've lived here for so long. Do you have like even outside of the music industry, do you have like pro tips of Nashville things to do? Like if somebody's either listening to this and lives here or is listening to this and does not live here and wants to visit, mm-hmm. what should people do in town that you would find yourself doing? That's not just going and drinking gin and soda on Broadway. Yeah. Well, if you are drinking gin and sodas on Broadway, you should be doing it at Roberts. And that is the best place to do it. Um, Roberts is like my favorite little honky tonk down there. It's Roberts like, Western World yeah. is one of the only Broadway bars I do not loathe. It's so good. It's, it's great. It's like some of my happiest national memories are at Roberts, to it's be like, honest. It's like 1967 never ended. It is. It's the best. It's like literally the only old school honky tonk left that is still like not owned by that one guy who owns all of them and like he's getting some flack right now in the in the yeah. news have you heard about all that you know so in the news right now in Nashville is a i don't even want to call it an alleged contract because there's plenty of photos of it but over the years there's been like speculation that uh an unnamed to be diplomatic an unnamed bar circuit on lower broadway was uh con- like putting their performers under a contract saying they weren't allowed to play at other venues that they had to pay 10% of their, the money that they made back to the venue that hired them, which is backwards. Mm -hmm. That's textbook definition pay to play. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of other stuff. And this venue is finally getting exposed for kind of just being just like horrible to its performers. Yeah. And I I mean, those of us who've lived in Nashville have known that that's been the case the mm-hmm. whole time. Like I've never, I mean, it's playing on Broadway is horrible. Like it's so hard. It's just like the people who do it. I'm so impressed. I'm by. impressed. It's I, I do so not have hard. the energy or the stamina or the personality to go be around that much sensory overload mm-hmm. all of the time. Yeah. My brain would. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely a lot. It's it's a lot, and they're very impressive. Um, 
but there are so many special places in this town though that you really can hear musicians who are treated fairly and who really aren't just doing it for a job but are doing it because they care so much about their art and their craft totally so no, where, I really where are some of the places that you like to hang out that are completely not music venues? Do you have restaurants? Not music venues. I or, have uh, so many. I used to work at a, a hotel. You're, you're kind of a food snob. I'm a food snob. I used to work at a hotel. So I have all my recommendations on a list on my phone. If anybody ever needs them, just send me a DM. I'll send my recommendation <laughs> list to you. But some of my personal favorites um, that I love to hang out at. My favorite restaurant in town is Rolf and Daughters. Where is that? It is in Germantown. It's so good. Um, what what variety of food is it? It's like Italian ish, but okay. it's like a you know fancy ish restaurant, and it's just I don't know. Get the chicken if you go. Um, but my favorite bar is Mickey's. Mickey's little dive bar on the east is side, the best. I've had so many fun and not fun nights at that bar. It's, it's one of my favorites because it's it's what is a kid I imagine just like. This is a bar. It's just a bar. It like is, when you think of what a bar is, it is it's that. Mickey's and it's the best bar. It and I love it. A f- one foosball table, two Bart or Bart boards. <laughs> yeah. One foosball table, two dart boards, a pool table and a jukebox. Yeah. And a huge patio. And a big ass patio. And it's like perfect. And I it's love cheap. it. cheap. Yeah. It's cheap. And then when I want a nice cocktail, I like to go to Urban Cowboy Mm-hmm. Or I like to go to Attaboy. Um, yeah, I've really been liking those. I have actually never been to Attaboy. It's worth it. It's I have it's, not. I've driven yeah. past it like a thousand times. Don't go on a weekend because you will not be able to get <laughs> in. But it is definitely worth it. It's really good. Um, they probably have the best drinks in town. And then, yeah, those are those are my main spots. I'm trying to think where else. I've been going to this little bar on the east side called Hubba Hubba a lot mm-hmm. lately. That one's really fun. It just opened pretty recently. Emily, <laughs> you've given us some great recommendations. Attaboy will have to probably be on my, my next destination stop list mm-hmm. here. But do you have anything you'd like to leave our guests with today? Just things about Nashville that you'd like to, to wish somebody who might want to move here? Yeah. I mean, my... Best advice for having a fun time in Nashville is to find your people and really and really do the work to find your people because there's so many people in Nashville and there's so many like wonderful people who live here who just don't have time to hang out with you and find your crew, you know, like find the people who you're going to come up with and find the people who you're going to co-write with and you're going to play shows with. And I like to call it your class of Nashville. Exactly. Find your class of Nashville. Like don't, don't get too caught up in like, Oh, I have to be hanging out with these people who are doing this and in this realm and blah, blah, blah. Like find the people who are at the level that you're at and become besties with them because in four years you guys are all going to be helping each other out. And it's just, it's the best. Someone's eventually going to have something go well. Yeah, and they're not going to want to do it alone. Yeah. And they're going to ask their friends who have been with them for those years mm-hmm. to just come along. Exactly. And that's like the people that you surround yourself with inspire you and push you and help you. And you guys all just do it together. So if you're an artist, find a photographer, videographer person who's just starting out. Find your songwriting friends who are just starting out. Find your producer friend who's just starting out and get your little crew ready 
for world domination and then make it happen, you know? <laughs> Inspiring words from Emory Adeline. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I would like to just add on to that is so many new kids come on so excited to move here and wanting to like get to work as soon as possible. And I like to quote a Jason Mraz thing, and I can't remember exactly where it's from. Something along the lines of like, don't wish your journey away. Like the mm-hmm. best part of a trip like the best part of the documentary about you is the hour and a half where it gets to the stadium and then credits roll when Mm -hmm. you walk on stage at Wembley there's nothing interesting about immediately becoming famous right don't wish away the story Mm -hmm. because then you have nothing to talk about you have nothing to write about so you may be in a hurry to get to the next thing but just Take it in strides. Let yeah. It, let it happen when it happens. Yeah. And Nashville is a long play. It is a long play. And and with all that to say, too, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Stay in occasionally. Don't drink too much. Don't become an alcoholic. It's like, super easy to do because super, everything we do in Nashville do. is about going to the next bar. Yeah, it is. the next drink. Yeah. And every song is about the next round. Yeah. So make sure that you stay in. I got, I had to check myself with that. Cause there was a point where I was like Same. playing so much and I worked in a bar and all this stuff. And I was like, I think I've had maybe one night in a month for the last year. And it's like, that's not sustainable. So you got to like, remember to go on a walk at Shelby park sometimes. <laughs> and the you thing gotta that got like, me in check was going to, I forget what kind of a doctor appointment was. It was just like a regular checkup. And then I was filling out the paperwork and it said, how many alcoholic beverages do you consume in a week? And it was like zero and then had one to two, two to four. And then it was like four to, or like five to eight. And then there was not an extra option. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, uh, it's like, because for, for a while, it was probably like 50 drinks a week, which saying it out loud is disgusting. That's mm-hmm. so much alcohol. But it was true back then. And I was like, oh, maybe I do drink too much. Maybe it's a party town, scale, man. It's a party town. And it's it fun. And it's like, I'm a big proponent of like not drinking. having fun. No, I mean, I, I, I'm a proponent of it. Like, oh, I'm not like have your have your wild time, like have your little party phase. But. Let it be a phase. That was, oh, absolutely. You let know, the phase let it come be a and phase. go. Yeah. Let Don't it be, be the guy who wants to 20s. live in the high school glory days forever. Don't be the 36 year old doing blow in the bathroom with 22 year old girls. <laughs> Don't do it. Let it go. That's the best way to end this podcast. Let's get t shirts <laughs> that say that. <laughs> Thank well, you. <laughs> Emery, can you give us your plugs and tell us where we can find you online? Yeah, it's under Emery Adeline on everything. So E-M-E-R-Y-A-D-E-L-I-N-E. On all of the socials and your website, correct? Yep, on everything. We'll have Emery's website hyperlinked in the episode description here, as well as all of her social medias. Is there a social media platform you prefer? Instagram is my favorite, for sure. It's the only one that I feel like hasn't been completely ruined. Yeah, Instagram's the best. I like TikTok as a user, I'm not the best at posting on TikTok, right. but follow me on TikTok and blow my stuff up. Yeah, I'm not the best TikTok user either. Yeah, it's hard. It's a hard <laughs> one. It's for the kids. <laughs> well, Emery, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for playing our shows forever. Thanks yeah. for playing with 
Phyllis the dog, who's now peacefully asleep on the couch. I will always hang but with her. But y'all, thank you for listening to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. This week, this was episode number 91 featuring Emery Adeline. You can find her at Emery Adeline on all your social media platforms and on the web. In the meantime, you can follow us at Nashville Tour Stop across platforms as well. You can find our full live show calendar at NashvilleTourStop.com. We have a whole bunch of stuff all of the time, forever and ever, amen. And there's about a bajillion things that I can't talk about over the air yet. But I know that it's all going to be exciting and that you all are going to have a lot of fun hanging out with us in the future. So even though that is the end of this week's episode, please do remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop.